Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 97 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll quickly talk about the some of the bigger topics in the Premier League. Obviously, the Tottenham-Manchester City matchup, Liverpool thrashing Leicester City, Manchester United skating away um, against West Bromwich Albion, and a couple other big topics there. But before we get into that, we got to discuss the kits we are wearing. So Tyler's got... I believe that was the 2018-2019 Liverpool yes, jersey. This is All the right. season where Salah got the golden boot. I actually have him on my jersey. Yes. Oh, nice. There we go. There we go. There Can we go. It. Also, and- use it for golf because it has a collar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's nice. It's got the little it works collar. Out. Um, and I'm rocking a Celta Vigo jersey, so right there. Uh, but yeah, those are those kind of jerseys. Yeah. I got bright green. He's got you know the normal Liverpool shade of red. Uh, For all the uh, listeners, we got the video portion up. So <laughs> yes, yes, I forgot to mention that. But um, before we really jump into the episode, we wanted to quickly um, give thanks. It is a week of thanks right now. Um, Thanksgiving for all of our American listeners. We are recording this right now on a Tuesday, so not technically Thanksgiving today, but obviously when it is released. Um, you know, it'll be Thanksgiving. So we wanted to give a quick shout out to our international listeners first. Um, a couple um, uh, a couple countries we want to just kind of highlight. Brazil, Hungary, UK, and Australia. Um, obviously, there's many more that are on this list, but these are some of the, I guess these are the top four um, listeners for us outside of the US, which is crazy that we even have um, that people even want to tune in to us that are outside of the U.S. So big shout out to you guys, uh, first of all. That, I think that's that's really cool. I don't know about you, Tyler, but that's really cool. <laughs> I didn't even know we had listeners in all these countries. Like yeah. that, was, <laughs> that was a big thing to mm-hmm. see from our statistics when we were analyzing it. And also like close ones on top of this list too. Like we saw like other countries like Austria, Argentina. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it's like, how did they find us? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that's really cool to see. So shout yeah. out to everyone that's international. And yeah, that's like and really big to for us to know that we're global. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome that you know someone takes the time out of their day, even on the international sense, to just listen to us. So we appreciate that. And then domestically, we wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our American listeners and wish them a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. But we wanted to specifically target um, five of our highest listener base within the United States. So obviously in our home state of Georgia, shout out to all our Georgia listeners. We have Virginia, California, Oregon, and Washington. Um, You know, it is really cool that we're kind of reaching all over the coast, coast to coast when it comes to the U.S., all the way from the West Coast to the South to the East Coast. So big shout out to all of our American listeners. Um, We really do appreciate all the support. And like we said, I really, really want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and Hopefully, um, everyone remains safe during these uh, these hard times right now. Mm-hmm. Stay so, yeah. safe. Yeah. Thanks. And also, hope you guys have some good food for this yes. week. Yes. Get that grub in. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, obviously, on Thanksgiving, there's usually um, NBA 2 with NFL, but it'll mostly be with the NFL because the NBA is not back yet. And then, you know, we'll all be able to enjoy some Premier League this weekend as well, With uh, hopefully with some leftovers if... Uh, if we still have some by then, we should all have some leftovers by the weekend. But hopefully, hopefully, yeah, but. we're still cooking for like twelve people, but yes, just for five people. Yeah, eat. exactly. With these times, but um, and also another quick shout out: we are close. Oh, actually, we've eclipsed um, over three thousand all-time downloads. So that is another big milestone in the Premier Pod history. Pretty crazy when you kind of circle back and think about um, when we first started. It was, uh, you know, I literally started it in this exact same room, just opened up my laptop and fired away. And, you know, maybe I got maybe four listeners that were just family members or friends, but it is, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, two years, two, basically two and a half years down. Well, actually, yeah, two and a half years trying to think back the time, um, how much it's progressed and how, in a lot of ways, how it's changed and the format of the show. But, you know, it's, it's really rewarding and really cool to see that uh, you know a lot of people or even a small number of you guys that continue continuously tune in 
um, each week when we release an episode because uh, at the end of the day, it's just us talking about soccer, uh, Premier League specifically, <laughs> what we love the most. So it is very cool that, you know, you guys take the time to tune in and listen to what we have to say. Mm-hmm. Over 3,000 downloads. That's insane. Yeah. There's over like 90 hours of our voice yeah. on the internet. Just <laughs> out there People can ether. just listen to you straight. that's crazy (laughs) i know you could oh gosh i wonder how far i'm trying to think yeah like that's literally almost like you could literally i'm trying to think you could literally drive from georgia all the way to the west coast and still have enough podcasts left over yeah that's crazy that's pretty cool when you think about it but yeah we wanted to give a quick (laughs) shout out to (laughs) <laughs> all all and all of our fans around the world and the United States that have tuned in and listened to us um, throughout these years. So we want to give a quick shout out and thanks to you guys. Um, but before we jump in really quickly, no international break till um, international friendlies or international break till March. So we basically got a straight couple of months just filled with Champions League, Europa League, domestic competitions, Premier League. I mean, all club football is back for a long time. So we're super happy. We're not going to be interrupted with any, you know, weird friendlies, any, anything like that. So it's going to be fun. Um, but, you know, the fixtures are going to come, come in thick and fast. But to start things off, we have to start off with kind of a broad topic, not one of the games, but Liverpool and Tottenham specifically, because they have shown in this really weird um, restarted Premier League season that they've kind of, Basically, you know, we all thought the title race was going to be Liverpool City, but now it's essentially become Liverpool and Tottenham are the title contenders for this year. Liverpool obviously defending their title and Tottenham are this new and up and coming team with Jose Mourinho that we thought going into the season was probably going to fight for fifth or sixth place or maybe fourth, but now have made themselves into title contenders and just wanted to give a shout out to them because they have shown that they are the cream of the crop when it comes to consistency in the Premier League, I would say this season. I feel like in 2020, this has been their year. Because even yeah. in Project Restart, Jose Mourinho, yeah, they're good. And I was just like, hmm, is it just a Project Restart thing or is they're going to keep it going? And I feel like even at the start of this season, we weren't really seeing them hit the you know the highs that they are right now. It was mm-hmm. they're very like low key. They yeah. just they've been cruising, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh. How they get to the top all of a sudden? We've just been distracted seeing Everton up there, seeing Southampton get fifth, and then Aston Villa. Yeah, Aston Villa up there undefeated. At at one point, we're thinking it's, it's like, what's going on for this season? Like, we have no we idea. We have another Leicester on our hands. <laughs> but you know, Tottenham here, out of nowhere, just it's like, oh, we're back. And yeah. Jose Mourinho has just been on a kind tear. of changing the team. He has most of the same personnel from Pochettino, but the the way they play is gotten a lot different. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll go into that once we hit the Man City Tottenham game. But for Liverpool too, they've been managing to truck on despite the hospital room that they do have in terms oh of gosh. all the injuries. Like Henderson's like all the, out. All the bad luck that could happen is going through Liverpool right now and they're somehow finding a way to just keep it steady, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how they're doing it. Squad depth. <laughs> yeah. Good coaching too. Good Having coaching. A good manager well. helps. <laughs> because if one person's out, then it's a good management like system to train others to kind of like fill in for them. Like if yeah. say Trent's out, it's not the whole ship's not gonna just sink. They got exactly. you know Milner in there. They got Nico Williams in there. So I mean, over the international break, I got really nervous because at one point <laughs> the entire back four was out. And then yeah. Like some of the front three were out. I was just like, what? Why? International break. <laughs> but we don't have an international break anymore, as you just said, until March. So I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I can just go straight Premier League, straight Champions League, European Cups. It'll be good. Yeah, be hopefully they could stay, stay healthy. But yeah, I... I think they what they've been doing is phenomenal and we'll we'll look in more in depth about what they're doing, but kind of circling back to Tottenham, their big game this past weekend was against Manchester City beating them 2-0. Um it's a really good performance by Tottenham, a horrible performance by City, I would say. But to specifically target Tottenham, it is really fascinating for me is the player that I wanted to highlight is Hoiberg for Tottenham. Obviously, he was the um, kind of the midfielder that we didn't really know what we were getting. He didn't really live up to it. Um, 
I guess, expectations or his potential at Bayern got shipped out to Southampton. And it was kind of, you know, there'd be certain performances we would see where he's like, okay, this guy could be pretty decent. And then it's like, eh, it kind of looks bang average. But then when Tottenham bought him, we were kind of confused. I remember, I think literally when he bought him, we did a sh- episode during like the whole transfer window stuff. And we were like, I don't know if this mm-hmm. is a type of signing that really propels them to win a title or make some title contenders. It's kind of a weird... Um, weird signing like Joe Hart-ish where it's like, what what are they doing here? But when you actually look at it, Hoiberger started every game for Tottenham and he's been like the holding midfielder. We thought Sissoko was going to be that. You know, Eric Dyer's been in that role. Endombele last season kind of was deployed there. But Jose Mourinho has targeted Hoiberg and has literally transformed him to just be a box-to-box, you know, solid defensive midfielder that's going to break up play. Um, that is super tough, super strong to get off the ball. He's, you know, he's technical enough to link up play in terms of just getting the ball out to the other creative midfielders like Ndombele and such. So, I mean, this signing, and he wasn't even signed for that expensive. I think he was a really cheap bargain deal um, that Jose Mourinho bought him from Southampton. But I think it's another one of those um, masterclass signings that Mourinho seems to always do. Because I remember at um, even at Manchester United, he, you know, you say what you want about Ander Herrera, but before Mourinho got there, Ander Herrera wasn't really a defensive midfielder. He was kind of like, a, you know, just a weird pseudo, maybe attacking midfielder and kind of like a box-to-box midfielder. But Mourinho really turned him into just basically being a defensive midfielder, and he did a pretty good job at that. And obviously developed helped develop Scott McTominay a little bit. But yeah, this signing has been out of this world good, and he's done wonders for Tottenham side because now they have a lot of steel in that midfield that they didn't really have under Pochettino it was more a flair rather than steel. And Mourinho has added steel with Hoiberg. So I wanted to point him out as one of the key pieces in that Tottenham field that doesn't get a lot of love. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say for me, at least I, I was one of the doubters at the very beginning. Yes. of the season. I was just like, Hoiberg, come on, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he kind of reminds me of when Mourinho kind of, kept Nemanja Matic with him wherever he went. Yeah. Because he's he's kind of turned Hoybier into Matic, except yes. Hoybier is a better passer. So yeah. it's kind of like and more mobile. One. Yes. And this has been like a very interesting signing because he really has been a part of like that defensive kind of structure in the in mm-hmm. like spine of that Tottenham midfield. Because un- before, as Yes was saying, no other player for that Tottenham side Besides maybe Eric Dyer, who got shifted like, back to center back, was really that rock in the defense. Yeah, and Eric Dyer is like midfield, kind of like you know he's off and on most mm-hmm. of his career. He's never been yeah. consistently good at <laughs> off one and on position. The field, to the bathroom, <laughs> exactly, and to the bathroom too. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I I feel like Hoyvier is just a very good system fit for Tottenham mm-hmm. that we didn't even know that he was gonna like Jose Mourinho was gonna implement. And to kind of go on top of this whole system that we're going to talk about with Jose Mourinho, he's changed a lot of players and how they play in this formation because it's a 4-2-3-1. And he has Kane playing up top, of course. But if you've been watching recently, Kane drops deep. He's yeah. behind the three midfielders behind him at times. And he, put, and he moved Ndombele to the center attacking mid where yeah. usually we would see Deli Ali. And yeah. now Endomeli's playing there. The person we thought he's just gonna cast away. Just that that's been one of the cooler storylines too. Endombele Endombele literally looks I remember when Eric Krakauer was on um on the podcast last season, he was talking about how good of a player Endombele Endombele is. And he was hoping that Mourinho would be able to get the best out of him. We didn't see that last season, but my gosh, he's literally been He's just a really, really talented midfielder. You can see why he costs so much um, when Tottenham paid for him. But yeah, he's been really good right now mm-hmm. being deployed as like that center attacking mid, basically. He really is one of those creative versions of like a Conte. Like mm-hmm. Conte is more, you know, box to box, break up plays, things like that. But yeah. I always thought of in the melee as like the attacking version of Conte where yeah. it kind of flips, where Conte sometimes goes on the attack. And then Ndombele sometimes goes on the offense, but they're just very mobile people and they just are always at the right spot, the right time to kind of do. He's like a very mobile center attacking mid, if that makes sense. I feel like center attacking mids most of the time just kind of float around 
wow, this one in the melee kind of like is like a little lightning bolt, just like everywhere. Exactly. But he kind of brings out the most and especially in this last game, Hyungmin Sun or Hyungmin Sun is I learned that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> He's been going off with Kane. They have like this kind of Dragon Ball Z fusion connection where yeah, like even that. looking at their stats, <laughs> their assists and goal ratio together is one of the top in like Premier League history. Yeah. Right now, They're like breaking there, records. It's there was literally one game. Um, I think it was against Southampton actually. Yes, where Kane literally assisted Sun four times, and Sun scored four of the goals that Kane assisted for him. Which you would mm-hmm. think is crazy because it usually flip flop, but yeah, those those two. Um, I know you're about to speak about it, but like those two have just been on another level this this season. Like in terms I don't of even just know like their output. How do you even stop that? Because yeah. he Jose Mourinho has just basically changed the way you would see this Tottenham side, where before it was very, you know, high press at times, very, very quick, but. With Kane dropping back and then the front, th- the three behind him going ahead, the defense gets confused. They don't know who to mark. They don't know who's going to make the runs ahead. And then, sure enough, you see like Bergwine running through the defense. You see Sun. It's kind of like a little barrage yeah. of players running through. You don't know which hole is going to be the one that they try to penetrate through. And then Kane can just make any late runs or just find a, a pass, being yeah. that decoy. And then get the goal or set up someone else. So yeah, I haven't, I didn't think Tottenham would become this kind of team. Jose Mourinho literally has become a masterclass in a whole different way because before he was very defensive and I was, I still feel like this team is still very defensive because you Mm -hmm. see players all drop back into a back five of Hobier becoming that fifth defender at times. And then maybe Suzoko or Harry Winks dropping back with him. If whoever's in the lineup to also help with the defense and making like a back six at times. But in terms of the offense, this is a lot different from a mm-hmm. typical Jersey Mourinho side that we've seen before. It just looks like he's actually making the most out of the strengths of these players instead of just, you know, pace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, no, I think, you know, yeah. I, I think that's interesting because I remember when he was at Manchester United, he always, whenever they played Tottenham, he would always talk about how much he loved like the Tottenham squad. Like he loved the center backs. He loved Kane and Son specifically. And now that he's actually has them as players, it's amazing seeing what he can how he's making the most out of him. And I think with Son, I don't know. Something feels different about him this year. He just seems a lot more, not aggressive, but it seems like when he's in front of goal, it's one of those things where he he's kind of turned into Kane now, where it's like, I'm going to score. It just feels like one of those things where he's one-on-one, like he's not going to give up his chance to score. He's going to score. And he's kind of has that, he's almost developed that sort of striker mentality of, you know, I'm going to find a way to score goals and get myself in the box and such. Because we've seen... Um, before that Sun has been capable of this during previous seasons, but it was usually when Kane was hurt, when Sun usually kind of raised, riot, rose to the occasion, was able to kind of step his game up. But now he's he's able to do it as good, even better with Kane in the lineup. So the I don't know how he's been able to do it, but the advancement of Sun has just been out of this world. And he basically wanted to throw this out here. He I think... He's basically turned Son into a top five Premier League player. Um, he's basically up there with the De Bruyne's, the Salas, and the Mane's, I would say, because the, the his his stats speak for himself, but also just the way he plays is just phenomenal, world class, world class. <laughs> I believe that too. I I always have believed in the past few seasons, at least, that Son is a world class player. I was really hoping like Liverpool do something crazy and just sign him because <laughs> like he's. <laughs> A very rare player to also have, like a two-footed, like no weak foot player, has skill yeah. moves, can get dribble quick, quick, clinical. Like he literally has everything. And yeah, there are even times when he had to step up into Kane's role when Kane's injured, and he he does you know fulfill those shoes and kind of changes the dynamic of Tottenham at times too, just on his own. But mm-hmm. having those two, Kane and Son, I feel like right now even you can even throw Kane up there in top five because yeah. they're both just going off. Like yeah. they've been consistent in the past few seasons too. It's not just a one season, two season thing. It's been like as long as they've been in the Premier League, they've just been going off. So yeah, there I you know I have to give my apologies because I remember when um, Tottenham signed Mourinho, I was like, oh, you know, why are they signing Mourinho when they had Poch? And it's like Mourinho. I feel like it's kind of like there were times last season before Project Restart where it almost looked like you know he's kind of a finished manager, but 
you know, this definitely shows that he still has it in him. And I think, you know, he finally has the squad he needs to finally win a title. I He didn't really have that at Manchester United. He didn't have a fully complete squad. He had great players, but didn't have a complete squad. Um, at Tottenham now, it looks like he has that complete squad from goalkeeper to striker. So um, I think he's got a really good shot to winning the title. But the mm-hmm. team, Manchester City, that... I don't know, man. I, I said that they had a chance to win the Premier League. I think I called that they could win. They're, they're going to win the Premier League this season, but they've looked so bad this season, um, especially in the Premier League. And I think one of the biggest things is they're, I know we talked a little bit about this before the show, but their signings, you know, they didn't exactly go out and get world class players. They signed more low key signings like Nathan Ake, Ruben Diaz, Ferran Torres, who they hope maybe would have turned in Hoiberg status, where it's like, oh, it's like a, hidden gem but they ended up paying a lot of money for all three of those players and besides Torres Ake's been out injured Ruben Diaz has been hit and miss at times those players really have not elevated them to getting them to where they want to be which is consistently fighting for Premier League and Champions League places Mm -hmm. and this is a little concerning because Pep Guardiola just signed a new two-year contract I know nice. more. He has two more years to spend close to half a billion on a defense. <laughs> Finally figured out a defense. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, I was, I'm, I, I believe I said this. And I'm going to stick by it. At the very beginning of the season, I was very confused about his transfers because I was thinking I was, I saw the, the price tag for these mm. players. I was thinking, especially Ake. Ake yeah, was Ake. Like 40 million. I roasted him. I was thinking, all right. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, Chelsea could have got him on the cheap and then they didn't. They could have, mm-hmm. they didn't buy him back. And then instead, Man City paid more money and brought him in. I was still thinking, I mean, he was a part of a team that got relegated. Yeah. <laughs> that, and I don't know if he was one of the focal points that really kind of helped Bournemouth become like a next level. But, I mean, all these players were kind of mediocre. And <laughs> when you come to Man City, it's not an automatic, oh, here's like a plus three rating in terms of like your overall status. Like you don't become a better player just going to Man City. It has to be like a part where you see certain players like Mars is already good. Bernardo Silva was already good. And then you bring them in. It's like, all right, they are actually good players. But, you know, Ferran Torres, Ruben Diaz, we literally were talking we don't even know who they are (laughs) yeah it's it's weird it feels like for the first time they actually went out and bought more project s style not ruben diaz obviously because he's and you could even throw ake in there because he's getting you know close to hitting his prime but Ferran torres is more of a project player like phil foden where he still needs time to develop into something Mm -hmm. you know really good uh which is weird because usually when you think man city they're buying the complete player already and then you know not really focusing on the project, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I will say, this, like to add on top of the signings they brought in from this past summer transfer window, the other players that have been trying to step up into those new roles, like Gabriel Jesus being the main man mm-hmm. up top, and then also Benjamin Mendy picking up left back, they haven't really fulfilled that world-class pedigree yet either. I yeah. feel like Gabriel Jesus... Against the smaller teams, yes, he has, you know, gotten goals here and there. But when games are on yeah, his shoulders, him. when you like, need him, like literally, he doesn't have that Aguero esque, like, oh, here's the game winner, boom. Mm-hmm. Like he, when Aguero's on the pitch, like he will not miss. He yeah. will get the game winner. He'll do something world class that will get that'll make the difference in the game. He'll make a play. But for Gabriel Jesus, he just doesn't have that edge. He just doesn't have that finishing touch yet. He has potential still, in my opinion, but it's just it's just not there yet. When you compare him and Aguero, Aguero is just still, I feel like everyone, hands down, picks Aguero over Gabriel Jesus, despite mm-hmm. the situation, the age, and just a little bit fallout for him. But some players just have it. And then I just think Gabriel Jesus still doesn't have it yet. And yeah. everyone's just expecting him to have it by now, after yeah. some of these seasons, I feel. Yeah, and, and that was the biggest thing. I remember there was the, always the argument of who would you rather have, Jesus or Rashford? Because at that time, Rashford was still considered like a striker. He's kind of, you know, a striker left mid at this point. But um, really, what I've seen is Rashford has performed well 
in a subpar average team and has really outperformed himself. Rather, while Jesus has been in a really, really good team throughout his Premier League tenure and has yet to kind of take that next leap um, to kind of, you know, that next development. You know, most of the goals he's kind of scoring are usually tap-ins and such and being in the right position, which is good, but... I mean, we've talked about it before. We we always have that episode every now and at the end. It's like Gabriel Jesus doesn't step up. And it's one of those seasons where he's not stepping up. And I think what's also interesting, you know, we talk about um, with Liverpool, with leaders and Jose Mourinho bringing in leaders such as like Lloris and making leaders out of, you know, the team they have. City, meanwhile, let go of a lot of their leaders like David Silva um, and company left left the club. Um, two seasons ago, but David Silva has been killing it with um, uh, Real, Real Sociedad. Yeah, they're on top of the La Liga right now, and he's been amazing for for them. And it still shows that he had the quality to still continue playing at a high level. And it just, you know, it kind of doesn't make sense why, you know, I don't know whether, you know, David Silva just wanted to call it quits. You know, maybe it was just one of those things he wanted a fresh start somewhere else. But that's one of those, you know, those kind of those leaders that have been at the club for a very long time, such as the Agueros, the Fernandinho's and David Silva and Fernandinho is getting older, might leave soon. Sergio Aguero obviously is getting older and has a, has a bad injury record. So missing those leaders is a huge thing. And I think this Manchester city team really shows the importance of what having some of those older guys in the locker room that maybe a lot of fans may like roast a team for, for continuing to resign, but you know, it kind of makes sense on a locker room level where you kind of need that leadership to keep them going um, and keep them motivated. Mm-hmm. I would say like someone who can be a voice for everyone yeah. just to get them pumped up. Exactly. See that not only in veteran players, but just certain players that have that quality, mm-hmm. like the lick, like yeah. for Ajax, he was the main leader and he was like as 20. a 19 year old. So yeah. Juventus picking him up that was big in my opinion because yeah. they now have a leader for if they keep it's, him for like, you know a generation yeah it's like a Bruno Fernandez effect and I think um, I know they have Kevin De Bruyne who's a great player but I don't know I don't really see that leader you know that sort of that captain leadership quality um, where you kind of need him where he's going to like yell at you and really get get in your face and get it you know get the players going and stuff I don't really see that you know with um with Kevin De Bruyne and I, they just haven't had that since company left uh, mm. obviously when he left the club because that was one of their you talk about one of the best Premier League captains slash leaders that's that's one of them so it's not looking too good for City right now and I, I don't know um, I don't know how he's going to write the ship but it's not looking too good right now but quickly moving on to Liverpool and the Leicester City game Liverpool beating Leicester 3-0 man man it's one of those. It's one of those things where it's always weird because every time we seem to praise Brendan Rodgers and really point the question about, oh, is he is he ready for the next big step? He kind of has a result like this where he just kind of gets outclassed or his tactics kind of fail him. And once again, his tactics failed him. He kind of sat back in this game instead of trying to go for it. And Liverpool, Klopp, Jota, they hit him. They hit him. So, uh, I, I mean, it, it's kind of amazing how Liverpool have continued to win games with the amount of injuries and, you know, just suspensions that they've been dealing with. But that just shows how good and how well he coached this, uh, this uh, Liverpool side is with Klopp and just the management and everything. So, uh, you know, proper kudos to Liverpool for this one. It was, I thought Leicester was going to give a little bit more of a fight. Especially yeah, they didn't since, give one at all. <laughs> <laughs> especially since, you know, Liverpool had a lot of significant injuries or players out like Salah out with COVID. You mm. tested positive, but he will be coming back soon. Hopefully he's healthy. And then, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold's out, Henderson's out. And, you know, certain players are coming back, like such as Keita, but he also got injured from this game. And... Robertson was actually out from a small injury uh, after Scotland managed to qualify for the, the Euros next season. So this is the first yeah. time in 22 years that they're qualifying for a big competition. And Robertson out there making it big and helping them Mick out. Sauce. But yeah, <laughs> the new sauce right there. Oh, yeah. Mick <laughs> Sauce is also on the team. I forgot about that guy's Scottish. But that's also big for Scotland. So like a lot of big things happening over international break, but also some injuries too with Joe Gomez out from... A significant injury too so this Liverpool side I was, it was a little decimated from injury but with those players coming back Fabinho also is back and Ali Sun is back 
it made Liverpool a lot stronger than I was anticipating because a lot of people were thinking this game, a lot of the starting 11 would be the backup players like Minamino, Shakiri, you know, Reese Williams, all those academy products just making it to the bench because we're just running out of people to play. But mm-hmm. luckily we had enough to come back. You know, James Milner, of course, the Swiss army knife of the team slotted back into right back and got three nil against Leicester. We got some help yeah. from Johnny Evans at the very beginning, but yeah, own goal from the former United goal. player. But I'm very good, glad to see that with Klopp as a manager, it, he is very good at making sure every player is able to kind of cope and kind of play this particular role in the system he has, rather than be so heavily reliant on, like, say, like a Crystal Palace side, where it's like if Zaha is out, we're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> but with Liverpool. You know, if there's like a little gear in the machine that's out, you can just put another gear in that place and then you begin mm-hmm. to go. You see Diogo Jota going into the side for Salah and scoring. A very like hard goal, in my opinion, that he may look easy. Just like a cross from Robertson, he just headed in like a little glancing header off of his head and then it just goes in perfectly. I was thinking, man, Diogo, Diogo Jota, Klopp didn't know he was going to be this good. Yeah, but I'm glad that Hugo Jota is going to be on track to even break records for Liverpool to yeah. maybe get the most goals in his first few opening games. Because now he already broke the record for, I believe, scoring in his first four home games, which is even crazy to say. So who would have thought Diego Diogo Jota and also scoring the ten thousandth goal for Liverpool? Yeah, and he's hitting a lot of milestones. <laughs> and not only that, another player, Firmino, he finally scores. He finally scored this <laughs> game. He hit the post. He missed a few easy chances that were looking like they're going to go in. But it looked like everything was against him. He finally scored in a corner. Leicester is a little weak on the set pieces. And that kind of was their downfall for this game. And also on top of just certain injuries to like Wilfred and Didi still and you know certain players like that. But I think... For this side, it was really good to see Liverpool finally kind of bounce, not bounce back, but just look like they can still ride the ship without all these players and then just have all these other players step up in their place. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Keita and Curtis Jones actually for this game too. So that yeah. was really big to see. Yeah, no, I think it was really cool. And I, you know, I, I don't have much to say because I think it's just, uh, it goes down to having a good manager having good club structure where, you know, you have a board and stuff that clearly defined on their message and you have a manager that knows how to make the most out of the players he has. So, you know, it's just another good example of just what good coaching and stuff can kind of take you. I'm still nervous team. though about the Premier League title run with Liverpool because, you know, we are still missing <laughs> Big Van Dyke. He yeah. can be out for the entire season. I don't know if we have enough to consistently make it through the season still, in my opinion. It's still yeah, they, they might have to dip into the market in January and try to find someone. I think so. I feel like that'd be the smart move. But because they we, are at the at this rate, they're just going to drop like their entire starting eleven <laughs> with the amount <laughs> of injuries they've been hit with. Tend to not buy players in January, so I don't think it's going to happen. But with Man City not really kind of being the main <laughs> contender, the main rival for this title race, they're not completely out yet, in my opinion. But I think Tottenham now are that main rival for that title, and they're not getting. They're lucky. They're not. They haven't been hit with this single injury. I don't think. They've not been a significant lucky. one, at least. Yeah. Yeah, they've been very lucky in terms of keeping their whole eleven pretty mm-hmm. good, and that's what you need to win a title. You need luck on your side. The injury bug to not hit you, hit your exactly. squad. So, so we'll just see based on injuries, or I would say lack thereof, will determine. I think who wins the the title this season because mm-hmm. it really still is up in the air but it is looking good for both Liverpool and Tottenham actually yeah you guys are lucky but uh, moving on to Manchester United real quickly they played West Bromwich Albion 1-1-0 it was not a very good game you know all the United players and even the manager admitted that it was not one of those good games to watch it was very like off the flow and they just did not look very good. Um, they got lucky with the penalty. Bruno Fernandes was able to uh, convert it after missing the first one. But Sam Johnston was completely, you know, very clearly off his line on that one. So, obviously, they had to retake it. He slots it in. They win 1-0. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is when I was watching it, um, 
Etri Marcial this season has not been, you know, there's been a lot of United players this season that have not performed super well, but Marcial in particular has not looked the sharpest and has not looked the best. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, there's been certain instances, maybe in the Champions League, where he's looked pretty good, but when it comes to the Premier League, he's just been kind of, I don't know, I don't know if the, what the right word is, just a little bit absent. And I think, you know, he is the number nine striker and like maybe that pressure of being the number one striker at Manchester United is maybe getting to him a little bit. Um, so I would like for United to kind of run Cavani more up top and have Martial just play a front three of Cavani, Rashford and Martial or something like that. Cause I think Martial really benefits from having someone next to him or someone that can at least take off the scoring pressure, uh, if, if that's a good word to say, because I think that kind of allows him to kind of drift into wide spaces and kind of just do the things he he's good at, which is creating chances. And, you know, he is capable of scoring some really great goals. And I think when he gets a cut in on his right foot and such. So personally, I would just like to see United maybe run with um, Edison Cavani a little bit more up top. That way you can give Marcia a little bit of break and then maybe that can help free him up and create more um when it comes to future games. So that was kind of my biggest takeaway from this game. It it was, it was not a very good game to watch. <laughs> Dude, Sam John stun was literally. Yeah. The on, former United keeper helping us out. I was literally thinking, I, I was like, if anything, he was trying to make sure United don't get anything because he was on <laughs> fire that game. Besides yeah. the penalty, which he saved like the first one, but clearly he hopped off the line way too early. And then yeah. the second one is just, it was just sad to see. <laughs> second <laughs> attempt. Bruno Fernandez was just like, uh-uh, we're not, we're not letting that happen again. So, I think the refs for this game was a little—I don't want to say favoring United, but it just looked like West Brom were just so unlucky. Like everything for them just didn't go their way. Mm-hmm. It was just looks like everything just could have that could have gone wrong for them, or any call that was a little fifty-fifty did not go their way. Yeah, but I mean, West Brom—they managed to keep in this game on the back of Sam Johnston. And then on top of that, I think, you know, Martial, he did get his chances. He did get some, but it's just, they weren't, it, it was like Gabriel Jesus-esque where it just wasn't clinical. Yeah. There were savable shots. Like they got to mm-hmm. be shots where it's, there's no way anyone's saving it or it's just like so unexpected or so like fast or strong or so much bend, but it's, it's just a little harder to, to for the yeah. keeper to really save. I'm really wondering though, what if United tried a different posi- uh, formation? Like, let's mm. say you have Edison Cavani and Martial playing up top, and then Rashford on the wing, like something like a, you know, four two 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 two. Yeah. Or like a yeah, four like four, a four, two. four two or something like that. Yeah, like, something uh, like that. Because right like now two. they always have you know, the three midfielders and then the one striker up top, just kind of running solo. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they've done that in the past, and I think. Usually what they tend to run is they, especially this season and, you know, last season, obviously with Solskjaer, is that they try to, you know, have three midfielders in at all time. Like they try, they like having the two holding midfielders and then having one attacking midfielder and then having your front three right there. Um, And they have played with, you know, a front two at times with Rashford and Martial. Usually when they do like sort of like that back three and turns into a back five and they need to defend against super big teams. Um so that that is a possibility and they did a little bit of that in the Champions League game today when they won but you know it was in spurts it wasn't a consistent type of um lineup or formation it was more of like a every now and again we do it um i think they could but i i just don't know if they have enough quality defensively in terms of like their midfielders and um kind of like the backline to get away with you doing that formation, I would say against bigger opposition. Um, because as we've seen, you know, the team um, has the biggest thing is that I, I would say is they're just the lack of like that really dominant holding midfielder. They don't really have that, you know, they have Fred and McTominay and Matic who it's weird because they all three do something very good, but they're not perfect. Matic I think is the best in terms of, um, you know, spraying the ball out, reading the game and intercepting, but he's not mobile enough. Fred, I would say is the best at being mobile and, you know, really, you know, intercepting the ball, kind of like that Conte S role, but he's um, kind of his, uh, I would say his passing 
and his kind of like a composure, I would say, is lacking. You know, he doesn't, he's not the most composed player. And then McTominay um, kind of provides that steal in terms of that height and that strength. But his passing um, is not the best. He doesn't have the best vision. Um, and he, it's the same thing with um, Fred. He's not the most composed. So it's really funny because all three of our holding midfielders kind of, if they were all combined, they'd be the perfect midfielder, but they're not. And that's the thing. And other top teams such as Liverpool with Fabinho, Tottenham with Hoiberg, uh, they ha- they kind of have that perfect holding midfielder to just kind of keep things glued together. And United don't really have the perfect one. So I think that's what's hurting them the most because they don't – you can see that Solskjaer doesn't have the complete trust to just throw one of those guys in there and just tell them to, like, do the job. He needs at least, like, two or something like that. So – I think that's the biggest thing that's holding uh, United back from being like a super attacking side. But, you know, that's just my opinion <laughs> mm. uh, on United's attack. That. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, though, how you're thinking. It's like we have the perfect midfielder. It's just in three different people. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like put them just, all in the three. Yeah. Can we just combine, get like a creative player that's going fusion. on? Yeah. <laughs> just we just need, we just, them. We just need it because it's just like they're all they're all good, but they're all missing that one quality that would just take them to that you know that next level and it's um it's just unfortunate it's just what the, the way the squad is but uh yeah i think uh you know as weird as it is as as bad as you know some of the results have gone for manchester united they're still in the running for top four i mean they they all they need to do is pull together a couple of results and they're back in the top four which is wild that just shows you how crazy this premier league season and to be honest you know, I don't think they're going to win the title, but they're not even that far off from the title um, title race in terms of points. So it, it just kind of speaks to how crazy this Premier League season. It just shows that, you know, the Premier League winner is probably going to be the 80 point mark, 85, 80-ish point mark, or maybe 90. Uh, I don't think we're going to get close to 100 this season because there have just been too much um, weird results going mm-hmm. on in the Premier League this season. There's too say. much uncertainty, too many yeah. variables, just wild cards yeah. out there. <laughs> exactly. It's, who knows? Maybe aliens might pop up. <laughs> I know, <laughs> at, this at this point. At this Jeez. point. But, uh, but I'm thinking it's going to be around the 80 mark, too. Yeah. And for reference, last season, it was around t- upper 90s to for yeah. Liverpool winning the title. So Jeez. for this season, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 80s. And it's going to be a very close race just because of all this going on. But we'll see if United being in this top four race because we're also going to have to see if, you know, Sochar stays in because yeah. every week it's, it's just kind of like just a hot flop. seat. Yeah. So we'll know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But um, kind of moving on to a different team uh, right now is Leeds, um, Leeds United versus Arsenal game finished nil nil. But um, interesting enough with this Arsenal side, I will say, you know, I, I will say this for Leeds really quickly. Um, as much praise as we give them as being like this fun side, they're not doing the best in terms of picking up points. If you look at their position at the table, they're not in a very favorable position, I would say. Um, they're still a very fun team. to Like, don't get me wrong, they're super fun team to watch. But defensively, eh, kind of hit and miss. And the fact that they're so um, stuck on the system of like really intense pressure of like high pressing and going forward – it leaves them very, very vulnerable on the counterattack. And we've seen a lot of teams pick them off. Like Fulham put three behind them. Like Fulham like Fulham is a pretty bad team in the Premier League this season. And Fulham put three past Leeds. So um, just keep a watch out for Leeds because as much as the way we talk about it, it makes it seem like they're in the race to win the title. <laughs> they are not in that, you know, that upper echelon. Like they're still struggling like a newly promoted side. But they are fun to watch. But... I wanted to quickly mention Arsenal because after that win they picked up at Old Trafford against Manchester United, they have actually gone winless in the Premier League. They have not won. They've lost a couple. They've drawn some. And there was recently a bust up in training with David Luiz and Danny Ceballos where apparently Ceballos or David Luiz got a bloody nose from Ceballos. And Willian took a impromptu vacation to Dubai during the international break, which he did not tell anyone. And apparently... It did not go well with Arteta, um, but it uh, just kind of looking on the outside of that. But in the game, Nicolas Pepe, Nicola Pepe, he headbutted a Leeds United defender and got sent off with a red card. And it just kind of left me thinking. I think uh, Arsenal in general are just further away from being back than what we thought. You know, mm-hmm. we thought after that Manchester United win that okay, they're back. You know, they're ready to go for it. And I think. 
you know, these past couple of weeks have kind of brought them back to reality of they're, they're still, it's still a big project. And I think Arteta has a lot to do before we can really like evaluate how successful this project is right now. It's a little rough for me too, because I was very hyped. Yeah, we're on both Arsenal. high on them. We're both yeah, high. But since that game against Manchester United, Arsenal have not scored a goal from open play. That's ridiculous. It's leave over seven or eight hours of gameplay. Man. And to put it in perspective, one game is 90 minutes. So whatever eight hours divided by 90 is. That's crazy. Quick maths. <laughs> it's about like five <laughs> or six games. But like... Yeah, Aubameyang scored. He's He has not scored. Like even mm-hmm. before that goal against United, he was struggling for, you know, scoring goals. And he's just not being fed the the proper not been fed the proper amount to actually score. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing a lot of comments from Arsenal fans just saying they just don't look up for it. The Arsenal players, the only player that I would say the fans have really been raving about is Kieran Tierney. The only player yeah. that really looks like he's trying for the team and that looked disappointed to not get a result or the three points from this Leeds United game. Everyone else mm-hmm. was just a little content, but not Kieran Tierney. Everyone else yeah. really didn't look like they're playing for the team. And, you know, there are certain things about this formation, this 3-4-3, that is also a little bit of an issue too where Aubameyang is always on the left wing. He's never yeah. that central striker anymore. And a lot of people are well, wondering... They, they, they tried playing it as a central striker this game with Pepe on the right and then Willie on the left, but then Pepe gets set off. <laughs> yes. So it's like even when they do have that, it just it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just Nicola Pepe. I mean, it got a little unlucky because it was a little bit of a flop, in my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. that Pepe headbutt, but I don't think he shouldn't have done it anyway. You know, yeah. Pepe was already in the hot seat himself for not really producing as much as his transfer fee shows because yeah and willian willian too i know willian was a free but after that first couple games he really has not assisted or scored in a while but obviously willian's much older but uh yeah that front three was not very did Mm -hmm. not look very good has not performed very well this season there's a lot of debate whether this formation this kind of tactic from Arteta it's doing very well defensively we see yeah. in this game also that they shut out that Leeds United squad that hit, has been very prolific in scoring mm-hmm. but they're so concentrated on this defense can they really get much going in the offense because yeah. clearly there's like, there's like a disconnect there's no connection between all right we have the ball now from defense what can we, we get forward and score <laughs> can we do something with this not really we haven't seen anything from that Mm-hmm. So unless, you know, someone like Kieran Tierney just comes up from defense and makes a play, we haven't seen Lacazette, Obama Yang, or, you know, Pepe make any moves. They yeah. start other players like Willock for this game, but even then, there doesn't seem to be a clear player they need to bring, a clear thing they need to change at this point to make it look like they can kind of change their, their fortunes to start scoring from open play again because that's insane. How do you not score from open play for that long with a side like this with players like this? That's yeah, when you start to kind of question Arteta. It's like yeah. something's going off. And I think um, you know a lot. A lot of credit has to be given to the fact that he's kind of shored up that defense because one of the biggest problems with Arsenal was that they could score a lot of goals, but they could just couldn't defend anyone. But now it's the exact opposite where they're defending amazing, but they can't score on anyone and. I think one of the interesting things is that Partey, obviously out of the squad right now, and El Nenny didn't start. Um, when those two start, you're not getting any like type of really that cutthroat create creativity. They're more just like to break up play, you know. And then you know this game it was Jaka and Ceballos, but I will say this: Ceballos to me is just another glorified Andre Herrera at this point. <laughs> Come on, you you got to see it because you know the he flops a lot Ceballos and he's like one of those players that kind of gets in your face and just like tries to rile like you know get people rowdy and you know he's decent attacking I don't think he's really like world class when it comes to the attacking side and he does a decent job defensively so for me and they're both Spanish so I I was just you know I was thinking about it the other day when I was watching the game I was just like wow he just really reminds you of like that under Herrera type where like the fans love him but he doesn't really like the much as much as the fans love him. He doesn't really perform with the same 
I guess, um, level of output that you would expect for the amount of times like fans really adore him, you know? And it was kind of the same way with United where fans adored Ander Herrera, but his performances weren't really that good. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. I think he's and uh, uh, like Ander Herrera 2.0, then he Ceballos is. I really think he just hasn't had that good of a season compared to last season where mm-hmm. it looked a little promising last season, but just this season, something's not clicking right. Something is not moving in the right gear for him. Yeah. So I think it is partially that. I don't know if it's him or the formation, the tactics, something, something, one of those three variables <laughs> is the thing that's calling the Arsenal side to like be off. It's just yeah. something doesn't make sense. They have so many good players. It's just something isn't mushing well. And usually if you see something like that, that is the manager's job to fix yeah. that. And I, I will say this. Um, I did see this on Twitter in terms of like a heat map of, I guess, like a stats from Unai Emery's. Yeah, it was last season, Unai Emery and this season with Arteta. And when it comes to specifically Aubameyang, under Emery, the main goal was to feed Aubameyang as much as possible. And that kind of led into him scoring a little bit more and performing a little bit better. But in this system, it's more of like an all-around thing. So they're not as focused on just feeding him the ball whenever they can. And... We've seen that kind of has affected Aubameyang, but it's crazy because you have a striker that's that good, but he just can't get any shots up right now. And whenever he does, it just doesn't look like they're going to go in. So, you know, yeah, I, I could see why Arsenal fans, even when they were, you know, whenever they got that win against Manchester United, they were still kind of hesitant about really saying if they're back. So I guess this is why. So. We'll see. We'll see what Arteta does. I, I still have faith that he'll be able to turn this around, but it's not looking too good right now. He's really have to. He's really going to have to dig deep and look and try to figure out because I don't think he can keep rolling with the same thing that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. I mean, it's kind of like Pep Guardiola. They have yeah. this this kind of similar system where it's very you know possession based and very mm-hmm. this this one kind of formation that kind of works for them, but. Can he change? Because they both got to change at this point. Something's not clicking for yeah. both teams. So we're going to have exactly. to see how it goes from this holiday season because a lot of things can happen with all these games popping up in the next month where you got like two games in one week on mm-hmm. several weeks. So there could be a lot of leapfrogging, a lot of dropping of points, a lot of people just coming up from the bottom half of the table to the top. So you don't know. This is going to be a crazy next few weeks. Could be very busy, but I think it should be pretty fun, though, still. Yeah, we'll see. I, uh, we'll be excited. But to quickly, I guess, preview this coming weekend, obviously, after Thanksgiving, we have a couple big games in the Premier League. Um, to start things off, where you have Everton versus Leeds United. I think, um, you know, I think this game will actually end up as a draw 2 2 because Leeds are very good going forward. They're pretty poor defensively Everton meanwhile you know they did get a win but um you know having Richarlison is good but I I still think you know I don't know I still think there's something about the squad that sometimes I'm not like fully trustworthy on their like um their their defensively uh so I I think this game will end up 2-2 I'm actually gonna agree if you just the exact same scoreline because that's that's literally the uncertainty between these two teams. They have potential to beat one another, but you don't know which team's going to do it. And mm-hmm. both have frailties in the defense. Everton more what's the word? Not prolific, but more obvious in uh, Pickford. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there will be goals this game, but that is the podcast curse, I feel like. Every single yeah. time we've said there will be goals. Nil-nil. So nil-nil. I think at least we'll be right at the draw. Yeah. But it could be nil-nil or 2-2. Two, two. I pick 2-2. Two, two, yeah. I hope. <laughs> and then we have Arsenal versus uh, Wolverhampton Wolves. Um, this game's interesting because obviously Arsenal on that huge skid. Wolves, meanwhile, have been doing pretty well right now. Uh, they had picked up a 1-1 draw against Southampton um, just the other day. But, you know, usually whenever a team has kind of scrutinized this much, especially a big team, they tend to bounce back, I would say, uh, in a way. And I, because of that, I actually think they could beat Wolves and I think they'll get a 1-0 win. Um, 
I, I think I think something is in there. I, I still like the Arsenal squad, and I think uh, being scrutinized this much, it, usually a team can kind of bounce back, especially a big team like this can kind of bounce back the next week and pick up something and pick up a result. So I'm going to go 1-0 Arsenal. For this game, I've learned from the Arsenal fans that you know, Arsenals tend to uh, so kind of disappoint sometimes. I have been on the high <laughs> horse a lot for Arsenal this season, but they've also let me down. So I think for this game, I have to go against them because Wolves last week they, you know, they were missing Connor Cody. This is a player who's been their captain, their center back for every single minute of every game since they were back in the Premier League, and he was out because he came in contact with someone who had COVID. But I believe he should be back for this game. And I think that would make a big difference in making sure Arsenal continue that streak of not yeah. being able to score from open play. So I think <laughs> Wolves could manage to get a 1-0 victory. Okay, so we got 1-0, but just the opposite teams on who's going to win. And then finally, we have a really big matchup. Um, obviously, concerning the London clubs, we got Chelsea and Tot- Tottenham. Jose Mourinho returning to Stamford Bridge, be facing his former protege, um, uh, Frank Lampard. However, I, I believe didn't Lampard beat Tottenham last season before Project Restart? Or was it during Project Restart he beat him? Um, escaping me. <laughs> yeah, it's escape. It was one of the two, and I just remember it was kind of like this big controversy of like uh, something happened. But obviously, Jose Mourinho coached Lampard for a while, especially during the heyday when he was at Chelsea. So this one will be interesting, and I think. Uh, I, I just think the way Tottenham are progressing right now, I think they win 2-1. I think, you know, Lampard has got a young squad. They're they're doing really well. The defense is doing pretty good. Um, they have good attacking players, but I think the experience, the steal of Tottenham, I think is just going to be too much for this young and up-and-coming Chelsea group. So I'm going to go 2-1 Tottenham. Hmm. And I also just double-checked, Yosh. It is Chelsea has won both Premier League games last season. Yeah, okay, so that's what it was. Tom. Yeah. So it was two, a 2-0 and a 2-1. I I think the hmm, this is a little tricky because Tottenham right now are rolling and Chelsea feel, are kind of rolling too, not going They roll. are rolling, but they also got a little lucky in the Europa or not Europa League, the Champions, Champions League. League. I'm just too used to seeing Chelsea in the Europa League <laughs> But you know, against Rennes recently, Rennes could have beat them. They yeah. just didn't have that clinical ed- edge. And I feel like that is a little telling because I feel like if Chelsea are able to leak that many opportunities to their opponents, I feel like Tottenham are a lot better side in finishing, which is kind of weird to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think Tottenham do have that edge over Chelsea, even though Chelsea have that luckiness about them. But sometimes you do need a little bit of luck to win. And with me kind of combating these two aspects of these two teams. I'm going to say 2-2 draw. <laughs> oh, okay. 2-2 draw. Or actually, no. I'm going to say 1-1 draw. Okay. Say 1-1. That's, that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm going 2-1 Tottenham. He's at 1-1 draw. So hopefully we'll see some goals in that game for sure because it's a big matchup. But yeah, after that, that kind of just rounds up um, episode 97 for us. We want to thank everyone um, for listening to us, subscribing to us. Um, and giving us feedback we really do appreciate it because it was like like we said when we were yeah throw a heart up there um like we said when we were going through and just looking at the stats and stuff it was kind of mind-boggling just thinking about where we started and seeing where we are now and we want to continue growing so we want to thank everyone for the support and just you know listening whenever they can i mean that's that's all we could ask for (laughs) <laughs> I know we always tend to ask, you know, if you can rate, comment, subscribe, but at the end of the day, just uh, click and play and just listen for a little bit. Just uh, that means a lot. So we thank you for even taking the little time out of your day to just listen to us, especially during these hectic times. So we are thankful for those, uh, for, for the listeners, for, for you guys supporting us. So I know it's getting a little heartfelt right there, but you know, <laughs> it's all part of the process, but uh, I don't know, Tyler, if you had any closing remarks before we end this episode. Hopefully, you know, this is more of a safety one, in my opinion. But for at least all of our American listeners, hopefully everyone stay safe. This could be a little bit of a risky time for us because, you know, Thanksgiving is a time for everyone to kind of get together and then kind of say hi to the rest of the family, kind of, you know, be together as one. But this is going to be that one 
that one year, hopefully, that kind of everyone got to do their part and just stay on their own for this one. But hopefully, mm-hmm. kind of like how we are right now with the podcast, just stay virtual and kind of spread your love, kind of spread your your thanks to everyone that way because we all know that everyone's still appreciating one another, just kind of safety at this for this season. So, yeah. Yeah, important, important disclaimer right there. Just stay safe, especially to all our American listeners and around the world, especially. But yeah, um, other than that, please check us out at The Premier Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow us follow on there, especially and also on our YouTube page. We're doing more video podcasts just like this one. So um, hit subscribe on this, on that, on YouTube at The Premier Pod and give us a listen on there if you'd like. And yeah, that kind of wraps up um, season three, episode 97 for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace. Peace.